Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to the MMM podcast. I'm Steve Madden, General Manager of MMM, and my guests today are Janice Cohen, EVP and Head of Havas Health and News Medical Communications at Village X, and Dan Weber, EVP and ECD of Havas Health and New H4B Boston. Janice and Dan have joined me to talk about an important piece of pro bono work Havas has done on behalf of AlessiosGladhouse.org, a 501c3 nonprofit whose goal is to destigmatize mental illness and provide support to those who are suffering in what U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy has called the next looming pandemic. The Gladhouse is named for Alessio Manti. Janice's son, who struggled with mental illness and who, with Cohen, helped to start the organization before taking his own life in 2018 at age 28. In frequent conversations with his friends, Alessio likened his struggle to grappling with a wild beast. A few days before his death, he posted on Facebook, quote, wrestling with the beast is never easy. It does more than just seize your mind. It takes your body, your soul, and your relationships and tries to drag them into the darkness with you. One of the most striking elements of the work Havas has done on behalf of Alessio's Gladhouse is a short film composed of animals in the wild. In its stark realism, it reinforces the point behind Alessio's metaphor and powerfully underscores the need to destigmatize the struggle. Let's hear from Janice and Dan. Janice, do you want to tell us a little bit about what the project is? Sure. So Alessio's Glad House was actually, let's say, a vision that my son Alessio had about four and a half years ago. At the time, he called it the Glad House, and it was designed, in essence, to be a place to connect people that were struggling with mental health issues and provide support as needed through kind of peer-to-peer connections and mental health resources and other needs that they might have to better support them in their journey. Mm -hmm. And what form is it taken? We launched Alessio's Glad House in May to coincide with National Mental Health Awareness Month. We have created a wonderful and remarkable engaging website And we've created a call to action, which is the beast, which really emotionally tells a story, so to speak, in a very brief moment of what it feels like to be suffering. And then we've created a Facebook group in order for people to connect with each other who are either struggling or people that know others who are struggling and have an interest in connecting and changing the conversation. Now, Alessio sounds like he was a very special guy. I'd just like to know more about him as a person, because someone who is struggling with a problem, who finds a way to help other people who have the same problem, sounds like a special person. And I'd just like to know more about him, because I think it's important to understand him in order to understand your project. Sure. Okay. So... Alessio was a a very interesting person. And by the way, I refer to him as Alex, sometimes Alessio. When he went away to school at 11th grade, he went back to his birth name, which was Alessio, because I think he thought it would be a good way to attract relationships. And I think it was very effective. (laughs) (laughs) 
he was no longer Alex Monti. He was this very exotic Alessio Monti from Rome. <laughs> but the truth is, is he was really had a very different and interesting background. He was born to me as an American mom and an Italian father. Um, he was born in Rome and he grew up in Milan until he was six. And then we moved to America without his father and a dog who didn't speak English. <laughs> and we started a new life here. And he came here, ultimately speaking three languages and traveling back and forth home to ensure that he kept his language and his culture, which I thought was really important. And he found himself as a person kind of split, I would say, on both sides of the ocean with rich lives in terms of activities and things. But on one side of the ocean, it was, you know, all American. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the ocean, it was all Italian. However, in our household, we tried to merge that to some extent to reinforce his Italian heritage. So we only spoke Italian at home until he was about ninth grade. So we were a very strange household in, <laughs> in the Westchester suburbs. <laughs> and it was interesting because I, I don't think I really appreciated how smart Alex was because when he first came to this country, actually, he learned differently. So they put him in a remedial classroom so he could learn to read phonetically rather than the way you learned in Europe, which was by memorization. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, he really started to struggle, and it wasn't clear as to what that was. Was it high school stuff, you know, etc.? And so it was then that I discovered that he had a photographic memory. And at one point, he decided he was just going to take a test on Mensa for fun. So he, <laughs> he passed a Mensa test, so he was Mensa. And he had all these amazing accomplishments and he seemed like the child that had everything going for him. On the outside, Alessio did have everything going for him. But on the inside, he was struggling. Enough to want to apply to boarding school. Janice wasn't sure if what he was experiencing was due to mental health or changes being caused by puberty. But with the guidance of their health care providers, they made the decision to permit Alessio to apply and to attend boarding school. The decision with the help of healthcare providers and therapists and psychiatrists was he wants to go to boarding school, send him to boarding school, which to me, like, who goes to boarding school? I don't know people that go to boarding school, but that's what the doctor said, and that's what we did. So he applied and got into Choate Rosemary Hall, which is a very prestigious institution and very international. He tested 99.9 percentile in getting into the academic institution, which is kind of where I realized that he was really quite different. And then he went on as if nothing had ever happened. And so he continued to excel. He got involved in politics. He went to work in the Obama campaign and he was in the New York Times for something he did at Choate. And it was, he was just a remarkable person who grew up into this teenager who was articulate and engaging and funny and a huge laugh and had friends everywhere, in fact, around the world. But it wasn't until he was in college that he ended up in a psychiatric hospital. Here was this person who was this intense overachiever, lots of friends, so charismatic, so driven, and 
he crashed. Alessio had experienced a bipolar manic episode while attending Northwestern University. Bipolar disorder is a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings that include emotional highs and emotional lows. Alessio's friends sought assistance from school staff to get him medical help. They all collectively agreed that he was either going to go to the hospital voluntarily or they were going to take him involuntarily. And so he was hospitalized and was delusional. He was there for a week and then did an outpatient program, which he didn't adhere to, and then really got involved for the first time into the mystery and the maze of mental health and meds management and lots of therapists and psychiatrists in the years that ensued. Mm-hmm. So clearly he was struggling um, and you were working with him, uh, trying to help him write the struggle. At what point did he start to reach out and involve peers or other people who were suffering to sort of create a support network? It was interesting, actually. He did that in the Netherlands because he went to the Netherlands to work on his master's. And What was he studying? At the time, he was actually at Northwestern. He was going to go to law school and then he really got involved and went to cooking school for a year. (laughs) And then afterwards, he decided that he really wanted to pursue economic sustainability. So he went to Wagenheimer. Of course, I have no idea how to say that. He went to school in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, (laughs) right. To pursue that. And I think he found himself there feeling very isolated. His support system and mental health professionals and so forth were no longer there. And that was when he began to have this vision of what he called the glad house. And he actually had his third hospitalization there. That was when he began working in trying to understand how other people perhaps were really as isolated as he felt and felt the need to try to envision something that could change the conversation. And I think it was also a time when he came to terms with the fact that perhaps this wasn't situational. Perhaps this wasn't just because he grew up in two countries, but perhaps there were issues that were a part of just how he was born. Who he was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with is realizing that it's not necessarily situational or it's not necessarily something that happened to them. It's, it's you know, mental health is something that, that everyone deals with. And uh, most people, whether they care to admit it or not, struggle with it. Right. And Alessio or Alex, one of the things that I find so fascinating about your story about him is how he had these issues and was so cognizant of them, you know, and dealt with them. Was that something unique to him or is that something that that you worked on? That's an interesting question. You know, he was extremely intellectually curious, as you would imagine, based on his intelligence, et cetera. So he read up on everything. He was like a walking encyclopedia of disease states and diagnoses, and he had had many different diagnoses. Um, it was really never clear as to what his issue was, other than it was clear that he had he was struggling with mental health mm-hmm. issues. 
I think it was his thirst for knowledge and his resiliency and his determination that gave him the strength and the courage to keep getting up and starting again. Despite the fact that he was struggling with the beast. Tell me a little bit about the beast. Dan, maybe that's something you could talk a little bit about because it manifests itself so powerfully in, in the video that you created. Well, I think one of the, the, um, the big challenges we had was to create kind of a new language for mental health. There had been a lot of work that was done in terms of diagnoses and specifics of individual forms of mental illness. But we wanted to be able to communicate across the board in a very kind of universal language what the experience of having mental illness was, no matter what you know what you were suffering from. For me, it was also very personal. My my father had uh, had suffered you know two very severe forms of depression, and one thing that I'll never forget him telling me is that he said something along the lines of, "This won't quit until it kills me." And I always felt that mental illness really was kind of a battle, a fight. And, you know, people who suffer from this, it takes on different forms, different beasts, different types of reactions to this. But what kind of kind of be more of a universal across the board imagery to create this? And my partner and I had seen a lot of like what we'd just come off of seeing actually some interesting wildlife footage for something else. And what I love about the naturalness of animals, natural animals attacking you is they're not doing it because they're mad at you. It's just, it's their instinct. And their instinct is to, to be in your face and threaten you. And that's just the way they are. And if you watch this video, we've gone from a piece of, you know, obviously, you know, lions and giant elephants to little birds pecking at you and it occurred to us that that in a way is what people feel like when they've got a mental illness something that is uh, just never quits it's constantly in your face and that's one reason why when we when we you know did this video we made sure it was always done in the point of view of the person who's watching it for instance these beasts or these animals this wildlife is always coming into camera and attacking you now i should say uh, that that the the video uh, is available. You can see it online. What's the URL? I think it's worth saying. Well, BattleTheBeast.org. And you can find it at AlessiosGladhouse.org. Great. And it's worth saying that the, the video that you're talking about here is wildlife cameras that are put out by researchers and biologists to watch animals. And so, as you say, Dan, it's, uh, it's very much from the camera's perspective of the, the thing that's most arresting is a bear, a grizzly, coming right up to the camera. And what parallels uh, that is at the very end, the grizzly that turns around and walks away from you, which kind of gives you a little sense of completion. Right. And hope. Exactly. I'd like to continue with Alessio's story. Janice, can you, can you pick it up? Sure. One of the things that was amazing to me at Havas, what we had done is we treated this as we would any client, right? Alessia's Gladhouse was a client and uh, a pro bono client, but a client all the same. And so we had three creative teams, Dan and Pervy were one of them, and two other teams. And 
they came back with how they ideated the creative brief. And the minute I saw the beast, I was overwhelmed because Dan and Pervy, and no one knew that Alessia wrote six days before he died a post on Facebook going public about his mental health issues. And he called it mental illness is a big dark beast. Wrestling with a beast is never easy. It does more than just seize your mind. It takes your body, your soul, and your relationships and tries to drag them into the darkness with you. As of this year, I have been fighting that beast for more than half of my life. If you'd like, you can consider this my coming out message and so on. And so the way that this was ideated was so remarkable because that was what my son, with no one knowing, had openly expressed to his friends and his peers to try to share this pain that so many people didn't know that he was actually going through. I understand. So I want to pivot a little bit now and talk about the project itself. What are your hopes? Uh, What are the goals for the project? So if I could just step back and give you one bit of foundation to this that I think is important to know. So Alessio died in October of 2018. And in April of 2019, we had our first board of directors meeting. And that board consists of people who are related to mental health in one way or another, but also very much related to Alessio. We've got three of his friends on the board. One is at, at in Stanford now in psychiatry doing her residency. Another is his best friend from Northwestern who has a PhD in neurosciences. Another is a mental health survivor who had tried to take her life um, and was a dear friend of my son's, Chote. And then others of us that are treaters or person like myself, etc. And we worked on this concept of how do we bring to life Alessio's vision because we each carry him with us and we each know there's a huge lift to be done. And so we brought this to a certain point and then recognized that we didn't have the resources that we needed to do the kind of lift that wouldn't create an opportunity to connect people, to come up with the right content, to research the best resources that people can use. And when they're in a place they need help, that there's a resource to go to and to connect with others. And it was then that I approached Tavas and specifically my boss, Cheryl Fielding, And then we brought the team in and created this core group. And there is a core group, but there are about 50 people at Havas who have been working on this for a year and a half, along with the board, to try to create a community within which people can be together, connect together, share feelings, and do it in a way that's open and inviting. So many of the resources that are out there that are wonderful, they're not a criticism, are very institutional-like, right? right? right. Some of the great grassroots things are just that, they're local. So how do you get something that has a feel of warmth and family, but that's on a national scale 
And that's how we created the Glad House. So you feel like you're coming into my home by seeing pictures of Alessio and his friends and family and content that's very close up and personal, but is meaningful to people. Janice, what specifically is the goal of the Glad House? That's such a great question. Um, We've reached a certain milestone, which is remarkable, right? Which is what? Which is that we've launched. (laughs) (laughs) We consider that remarkable. Physical assets. Right, they're (laughs) physical assets. And things that we can use to engage people and start to become familiar with Alessio's Glad House. Our next phase, in essence, is to look at how we can create value with like-minded organizations and with corporate sponsors who have an interest in mental health. So we are going to be talking with folks, be it from companies that are actively publishing information about their awareness of mental health and so forth to see how we can work together and what that could look like. And then to see if there's an appetite to create some commonalities with all these disparate associations um, to perhaps come up with a robust resource center that we can all be behind. Because although we all have a common goal of mental health, everyone has a different mission, so to speak, be it some are more interested in research, some are more interested in clinical development, et cetera. So in the interim, you know, we're continuing with our mission and Alex's vision of creating connectivity, and we're trying to do that in a way that provides the greatest value and meets the biggest unmet need. It seems to me that probably the greatest step forward that you've taken is breaking down any kind of walls, reducing isolation, because one of the one of the things about mental illness is, as you said earlier, people tend to think that they're, I'm the only one going through this. Right. I can't talk to anyone about it. In fact, if you start projects like this, they help to break down those barriers and destigmatize it and get people talking, which is, you know, half the problem. Right. It's remarkable already um, how much impact I think the discussion group on Facebook has been. Right. The back and forth between people and sharing and people expressing that they haven't really been able to you know, talk openly about this. So I think just having that discussion group in it by itself is a major gift. It would be interesting for folks that are listening to this to go to Alessio's Gladhouse community on Facebook. There is a, a beautiful thing written by a girl who's really struggling with mental health. And I think she's 20, perhaps. And her brother had taken his life by suicide. And she's finding her own journey through her mental health um, challenges and struggles through writing remarkable, very open poetry. And it was soul-bearing. And someone else posted a song that they played on their guitar, something that was meaningful to them. And I think it's beautiful to have a place to go and just express when you feel that there's a point you want to make or something you hope to share that could help others. Alessio's Gladhouse received its 501c3 status in 2021. If you'd like to get involved, listen to Janice explain how. There's opportunities to get involved and volunteer, and we've started a list of folks that want to, and we're going to marry their interests and their skill sets with some of the needs we have as we continue to grow 
There's the opportunity to donate, which we're greatly appreciative of people doing because it helps us fuel the work we plan to do moving forward. And to date, people have been remarkable in their help and support and done so much pro bono, including Haymarket and MM&M, which we're extremely grateful for. But there are going to be needs for funding things so that we can continue to grow and make a difference. Right. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for for sharing Alex's story with us. I really appreciate you you guys coming out. My guests on the MM&M podcast have been Janice Cohen and Dan Weber from Havas, uh, working on an amazing project called Alessio's Gladhouse. Say the URL once again so that people can can share. It's alessiosgladhouse.org. I urge you to to take a look at it. It's uh, an important project. It's extremely well done, and the work is powerful. Janice, and thanks very much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. If you or someone you know are struggling and need help, please call the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. That's 988. Or visit 988lifeline.org.